0: morning church how we doing this morning epic I love that I love that I just want to give a a shout out to those of you that uh, uh, helped with the banquet uh, and we had a number of sponsors here the ladies came and helped out and served we had over 130 attend the banquet the largest since we've started in the last eight years and church for the harvest was a, a major part of that uh, all the sponsors here, thank you. Uh, it just was a great testimony and show of uh, the people at Harvest and how giving and caring and serving. Um, Kelly the cook always says, boy, this is just amazing you have these people come out and they just come out and they help and serve. And, and I love that about the church and I love that about you all. So thank you so much. Let's just take a moment and pray and and ask for God's blessing as I begin to share the word of the Lord. Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we recognize that without you, we can do nothing. But with you, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And so today, Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak through me. Give to your people what they need to hear today. Divinely deposit in each of their spirits. Lord, many came with needs. They need answers. And Lord, Lord, uh, I'm just praying, even even now through this message, Lord, that oppression would leave, anxiety would go, fear would leave, Lord, peace would come over your people. It's in your mighty name we pray. And all God's people said, "Amen, Amen." I'm just gonna continue here uh, uh, with this uh, mini series here on talking a little bit about the end times and. It's the second week, and uh, we have a still up there about uh, Israel and at war, and uh, I've titled this End Times Panacea, a remedy or end time solution, or maybe some answer to bring a perspective a little bit to, to what's going on out there in the world, and, and how should we pray, and what is our response uh, to that? And so I'm going to pick off, pick up excuse me, a little bit where I left off last week. Uh, uh, talked about some things, but I do want to kind of, might feel like I'm jumping around a little bit here, but I want to I talk to about how the enemy uses deception and doubt uh, to bring us to question uh, and question truth, the truth of God's word. So, how many with me say amen? amen. Can you hear me all right? Is everything all right? I feel a little bit of an echo, but uh, maybe they get that corrected. So uh, we mentioned this uh, last week. Is this it? Is this the end? I mean, boy, it sure seems like it. I mean, the world is in an uproar against Israel, is it not? I mean, it's just how fast that happened and spread. I think it spread faster than COVID. Right? Think about that. I mean, a pandemic starting in China and then making it around the world. And, and, and this was within, within days. Within days, we had protests and, and people rioting. And, and so, so, is this it? Is this the return of Jesus very near? And well, I will say this how many know that today we're closer to the return of Christ than we were yesterday? <laughs> so I'm safe in saying that. Amen. And uh, but in a natural maybe it looks like it. But I, I don't. I'm going on a limb here. I don't believe so, though. I don't believe so. I don't believe the table is set. I believe there's other things that need to happen. And and uh, but that's just my opinion, and I could be wrong. And and I believe it's there's birth pains. There's a, a new day. I shared a verse last uh, week. I'm on an Ezekiel 38 when it talks about a time that when Israel is living in peace, living in safety with no walls, no borders, and they're at rest, and then they're attacked. And I don't remember a time since I've been alive, and they've been a nation, and since 1948 being declared, that that has happened. And they have walls everywhere, and, and, and they're constantly launched rockets being attacked. So, so it may be a new day, and it may be a new day where there is peace. So, but I want to address some things, this hatred for Jews. Where does it come from? Where does it come from? And what I'd like to say as I begin right now, that if you get anything about what I'm about to share, know this, that whoever attacks God's people will be eliminated and destroyed. That sounds heavy, but, and what I mean by that, I mean even believers. Yes, we suffer loss. People die. They, you know, uh, those that, that, that know the Lord go to heaven, but I saw something about civilization and nations and empires that have tried to destroy the Jewish people. And it goes back to the nation of ancient Egypt. They are gone, the ancient Egypt. The Philistines, they are gone. The Assyrian Empire, that's gone. The Babylonian Empire is gone. The Persian Empire is gone. The Greek Empire is gone. The Roman Empire is gone. The Byzantine Empire is gone. The Crusaders are gone. The Spanish Empire is gone. Nazi Germany is gone. The Soviet Union is a, as, as a nation is gone in that respect. And then the question mark is Iran, is that next? <laughs> the Jewish people, the smallest of nations, but with a friend in the highest of places, the Lord God Almighty. Can somebody say amen? amen. So, so why is so much of this hatred, I mean, for such a, a small group of people. You know, the nation of Israel 2023 population just in Israel itself is 6.8 million approximately, and about 15 and a half, 15.7 million globally. I think about that, and I think of China, 1.428 billion. India, 1.425 billion. The USA, 340 million. Israel makes up 0. One, 1% of the global population. Why is there so much hatred about this little speck on the earth? You ever thought about that? I mean, it's the, so small. Seems so insignificant. It's down there next to uh, Austria, number 100, and Switzerland, number 101. They're ranked 98. It's the smallest of countries. And uh, let me just say this. How many know that our worldview does matter? Truth matters, the truth of God's word. I'm getting to something here. You know, how many know that we are well aware it has become increasingly difficult to sift through what is true? Isn't that right? I mean, it was a time in the past you could say, well, you know, get study something you didn't know, but now a kid can have the world in his pocket, and you know of course, asking snoops or whatever that, you know, they're, they're goofy. Uh, what is truth? Try to find out. And a kid can have the world his fingertips. That is insane amount of power. That power right there in a the pocket on a phone was a stronger uh, computer than what we sent the astronauts to the moon. I mean, the technology is crazy just in the pocket. And so the world has shrunk. And so when it comes to news, the government, social media, now we have AI-powered editing tools to make you look real slender and nice. <laughs> it's, it's, it's bizarre. We got Snapchat, Instagram, and, and TikTok, which really, TikTok is, a, is an arm of the Communist Party, China. It, re, it really, it is. And I might meddle a little bit here with some of you, but, you know, TikTok was launched in 2016. Now think about this it has accomplished in just four years what it took Facebook and Instagram to do in 10 years. That's insane. There is 800 million users, over 80 million just in the United States, and the average age is between 18 to 24. It's actually dropped down to about 10 to 12. They're reaching younger and younger kids. But our world is is changing rapidly. And and I think about this, about TikTok, they have over a billion monthly users worldwide. It is the fourth largest social media platform in the world. TikTok is digital fentanyl in the minds of young people because that is shaping a whole culture and a whole generation. And they pay people to put stuff up on there. And, and, and so kids are getting all of this information and confused and, 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 and wondering what's the truth and here, just hear me, young people. There is a constant stream of deception and lies spewing out that will actually, if, if you let it, if you listen to it enough, it'll alter your worldview. It'll change your thinking. I'm not trying to be mean or ugly. You know, I, I actually had a, when it first came out, I had a little account, I opened it up, and, stuff, and there is some hilarious stuff on TikTok. Absol- absolutely hilarious. And um, uh, I would post things about, finishing a shower you know in construction or building something or just significant things and and then i think wow i got 2000 views and i thought wow that's pretty great and then someone comes up a, a girl with pretty eyes just blinks her eyes and she has 22000 views i thought i am not competing with this i'm done with this forget about it uh, but they're so, in it, and there are there are young Christians on there preaching the gospel, and they're trying to make inroads. So uh, just just hear me. But truth matters, and our youth have an avalanche of lies, and we have to protect them, especially our young kids. And I just so admire the parents in this church that uh, stand up and say, "Wait a minute! How do we filter? How do we protect? How do we watch over our kids?" Are, are you with me here this morning? I mean, our kids are grown, and, and one married, and they're adults, and, and we did the best we could. I mean, uh, there was a time, like, when you had to go through to pick up your kids at Discovery Middle School. How I many of that could be a challenge? That's like ants on a pile of sugar, you know what I mean? And so, I was like, Mariah, where are you at? And we actually got a, a pager one time. That's your date in it. And so, we page you. Where are you at? I'm, I'm standing here. I'm like, let's get out of here, you know? And, and so, but as it comes to a point, it's like, it, it, you're not going to avoid it. The social media, you're just not gonna avoid it. But how do we equip our kids and strengthen them so they're prepared that, that when they turn 18 or 19 or whatever and they're on their own, <clears throat> they go out and do what they want and, and, and they, have, they, have a, they have a guiding light within them. That, 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 that they're not an avalanche that comes upon them that they're not unaware of. How many with me say amen? And so constant barrage, constant barrage. Um, <clears throat> Uh, in John 18, 38, Pilate, he said this scornfully to Jesus. He said, what is truth? What is truth? And then when he said that, he went out to the Jews again and he told them, he says, I find no guilt in him. I find that interesting. There's no crime. There's no cause for an accusation uh, against this man. And, and I, I began to think about that. Why did Pilate say that? I believe he knew instinctively, even as a leader, that there was something way above his pay grade with this Jesus guy. His own wife had a dream the night before. said, have nothing to do with this righteous man. I mean, who told her that? <laughs> you know, he knew something is not right. And so here is Jesus standing before uh, Pilate. Pilate is looking at the Son of God, the, 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 the personal or physical embodiment of truth right before him, and he still refuses to admit he's the son of God. You know, the dangers of doubt. Let me just talk quickly about how the enemy uses doubt to distort a view of God's truth. And he does it by, uh, and introduce it into our minds, causing us to question, what is truth about God's word? He's very subtle. Uh, he did this back in the Garden of Eden. It's an original tactic, and he still uses it today. Why? Because it works. It works. And how many you know that the serpent did not directly attack God's word? We see in Genesis to Adam and Eve regarding the forbidden fruit. Why? Because if he attacked it, that would have been met with an immediate defense and distrust, and they would have cast it off. But no, this is what Satan says in Genesis 3.1. He introduces doubt. Did God really say not to eat of this fruit of this tree? What do you mean? he brings in doubt he brings in doubt you know there's a verse in second 2 corinthians 2:11 2, and it's actually talking about forgiveness but it says this in order that satan might not uh outwit us or outsmart us or get the advantage of us because we are not ignorant of his devices some show devices what is that the devices actually i looked it up it means schemes it means this it means uh to, to exert mental effort. Satan, his devices exert mental effort over our minds to deceive us, to bring in doubt in our hearts. And he's using it through social media, he's using it through the news, he's using it through world events, he's using it for people that have been indoctrinated, he's using the universities, he's using every tool <clears throat> at his disposal. What is doubt? Doubt means to call into question the truth. To lack confidence to distrust, to be suspect. This is Satan's mode of operation today and what he's doing, and he hasn't changed. He sows seeds of doubt into our minds constantly, and hence we see the dangers, the actual, real dangers of social media and how it is affecting uh, and, and when I think about that, into our minds with doubt, and it's not just that, but he does it through family, he does it through friends, he does it through even in church situations, and, and he'll do it however he can to put doubt, to put doubt in people's minds, to question, I don't know about him, I, I don't know about her, well, I heard this, or I heard that, don't let that thing sit on your head, cast it off, so wait a minute, you know what, what do I know to be true of God's word, what do I know is truth? Can I get an amen here? And so two things quickly just happens when the enemy whispers questions in our ears of doubt. Number one, it brings into question the reliability of God's word. And if he can get you on that, here's the thing, you don't have to have memorized the whole Bible, that would be nice. And you don't have to know every single verse and where in chapter where it's at, but that would be nice. But you need to know this, that, that God's word is true and it'll hold up to scrutiny. It, you may not have an answer. Take a little bit of time, dig into it, research. You'll find out. You'll find a reasonable answer. You really will. It's not like oh, there's nothing new that's going to come about that's going to throw us all off. That oh my goodness, the we, if we only would have known, nothing, nothing. But the enemy he keeps using doubt, and he uses you know things. Uh, to cause uh, us to question his scripture. The second thing that happens when doubt uh, uh, we doubt God's revelation uh, in, in our life, and what happens is uh, uh, when we do that, pride enter in, ego. Uh, it comes to the forefront in our life, and and so we, we have this semblance of, well, we want to we be godly, and, but we're going to ignore those parts that are really strong in the Word of God because we don't really know about those, so it's okay for me to live how I seem fit, and that's relativism. What, what works for me you know may work, not work for you. What's good for you? And, and, and what happens is we begin to accept things that are outside God's Word. I'm going to meddle a little bit. Is that all right this morning? <clears throat> Sex before marriage is accepted. Come on, somebody lying to keep up pretense it's okay we just got to keep up the pretense homosexuality becomes acceptable abortion becomes acceptable all manner of sin is excused based on man's modern sensibilities And, and and many go further than that they actually reject god altogether hence you have an atheistic spirit why is this? People begin to reason within themselves because the enemy is working constantly, constantly. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. Now, we know that about the Lord, but the enemy does not either. And He is constantly. How could we really expect anyone to live to this standard that God is? It's impossible. Actually, it's cruel. It's a cruel standard, and, and God isn't really loving at all. He puts doubt in our minds. If he really cared about me, he would help me. Amen. And so such pride is indicative of a diabolic suggestion as it gives rise to high-handed sin, outright defiance of God. Friends, truth matters. God's word is truth. The word of God is our guiding light for life. Somebody say amen. And so now I just want to delve a little bit in here, see how far we can get about Israel and what when I talk about war with Amalek and this, this root and this hatred of the Jewish People, where's it stem from, and even in the Christian faith uh, uh, towards the things of God. And so, I, I, I had this question out. And I thought we can sit around here in America, and a lot of the prophetic people are foaming at the mouth right now. And uh, this is it, you know. And <clears throat> I mean, everything is lined up with all their charts and all of that. And and uh, but I'd like to know what is Israel thinking. I mean, what is Benjamin Netanyahu thinking? What, what, are the, what is Israel saying? It doesn't matter what I say from here. What are they thinking is happening in their nation? Well, I wrote down a few things. <clears throat> so we can ponder, we can seek out, we can guess. But it's very interesting over the past few weeks, Benjamin, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu of Israel quoted some verses in the Bible. I thought that's interesting. Shouldn't we as believers know if... The president of Israel is quoting a verse. which you wonder, what verses is he quoting? How many with me say amen? He said this. He said, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says <laughs> in Ecclesiastes 3.8 that there is a time for peace and a time for war. This is a time for war. Okay. A war for our common future, he continued. Today we draw a line between the forces of civilization and the forces of barbarism. It is time for everyone to decide where they stand. Israel stand against the forces of barbarism until victory. I hope and pray that civilized nations everywhere will back us in this fight. Wow. And then he goes on and he quotes also Isaiah 60, verse 18. I thought this was interesting. And he says, this verse, actually, I give a little background here. The verse is speaking about a future glorious kingdom where the Israelites were for 70 years in Babylonian captivity, and they looked forward to the return of the promised land and what was inherited and what God said that they would have, the reconstruction of their natural life after being in captivity for 70 years. So that's the background of this chapter in Isaiah 60. So he quotes Prime Minister 60, verse 18. He says, no longer will violence be heard in your land, nor ruin or destruction within your borders but you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a good ending right there. That, that, to me, that sounds not like all is lost. No, his, the prime minister believes this is going to be an ending of something. They're not going to quit so they eradicate Hamas. Guaranteed, they will not quit. There's a lot of other things flying around. I understand that. But I begin to dig into it. I'm like, okay, what do you mean salvation? It actually means security. That there's gonna be a time that God is promising that Israel will be secure for a season. And it says, your gates praise. And I looked that up. It actually means gate watchers. And gate watchers would stand at the gate and they would look as a sentry and watch to see if an enemy is coming afar there would sound the alarm. It's like, we need to get ready. There's an enemy coming. And it says this, that the gate watchers surveillance, satellites, all, whatever you want to call it today, they will look and see that no enemy was attacking, so they're going to celebrate and praise. That sounds exciting to me, a day that's coming, <clears throat> because I haven't seen that yet. I haven't seen that yet. And once again, I mean, I could be wrong, but this is the prime minister quoting this verse. This is what he sees for the, his country, a time or season or age when, <clears throat> when, when they defeat the enemies on their border. And you know what, I just thought about that. I said, what would that sense be? Now, I'm not saying this, I'm just throwing this out. This was just something for me personally, okay? For me personally, this feeling where there would be praise at the gates. I don't know about you if you would feel this, but for me, I just thought about it like, what if our borders were secure? That brought a little praise in my heart. I'm just saying me, okay? I'm just saying secure. What if inflation was down? look, Come on, somebody are starting to smile a little bit. What about there was an ending of all the riots and protests in our country? A little bit of joy would be in praise in my heart. What if there was tremendous love for one another and all races? I know it's idealistic, but I'm just telling personally the feeling of how could salvation, security, and gates be a point of praise. What about our national debt at 33 and a half trillion was wiped away? the clock brings stress on me. It's over a billion dollars a day in interest. That's over 100,000 for each of us, just the debt. I mean, what if faithfully millions of people begin to start attending church and come into the house of God Begin to worship God, and there's no room in the place, and, and, and you got to keep going. More and more different services, and, and people are coming to faith. You, you have an altar call. People just, you don't even ask them just to pray quietly. They run forward to the altar. Friends, it was like that in America at one time. It was like that. They would bring ambulances in with sick people to the house of God, and listen, the hospitals don't do that unless something is happening in the place. They would bring them to tents and revival tents in the 1950s and just park the sick there, wondering what would happen. Wow. A time of salvation and security and praise. That's what he believes. I'm going to believe that with him, and I believe that with our country. Then he goes on and he declares something I thought was very interesting and I spent a little bit of time here on this. He said, you must remember, 1 Samuel 15, you must remember what Amalek has done to you, says our holy Bible. I'm quoting him. He said, God commanded uh, to, to King Saul in 1 Samuel 15, 3, and he says, now go and smite Amalek. So prime minister is quoting this. And utterly destroy all that they have. Spare them not, but slay both man, woman, infant, suckling, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey. Wow, prime minister quoted that verse. And you know, that's a very, that's a difficult passage Reading it at face value, how many understand what I'm saying? It's like, we need to study this and understand, what is the context? Uh, was this something God just did randomly? What, you know, it, 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 did God order a genocide? I mean, you, we have to, and, and you know, you have to dig deep into that here, but I don't believe he did, but I believe this verse is a witness to God's justice of a people that had constantly rejected his grace not just over a few years, hundreds of years. Hundreds of years. You know, atheists, they love this verse. Guys like Christopher Hitchens, who's now deceased, he said, if God existed, the God of the Old Testament was unworthy of the name God. Why? Because he's a genocidal maniac. So they used verses like this. Here's the thing, number one Christian, you do not need to defend God. He can defend himself, okay? <clears throat> the Bible is the word of God. It'll stand the test of time in eternity. Now, just very quickly before I conclude here, just some background. There was t- two types of wars that Israel was commanded to fight in reclaiming the promised land. The first one was wars that were outside the promised land. And when they fought outside, it, they would go to a lot of the city officials or they'd say, listen, surrender, <clears throat> we'll apply mercy to your life. And they would do that. They would extend mercy. But there was a command that God said those that were in the promised land that they didn't allow for mercy. They had to be wiped out. Why did God do that? Why did he say that? Notice Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 16 to 18. He says, however, in the cities of the nations, the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance. Do not leave alive anything that breathes. Completely destroy them. And then he goes on and he lists them and he says, otherwise they will teach you, watch this, to follow all their detestable things. They do in worshiping their gods and you will sin against the Lord your God. Once again, I believe these verses are a witness to God's justice. You know, it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the Lord in the judgment of God. And we don't want that. Who was Amalek in the Bible? Amalek. I began to look it up, and this spirit actually goes back, I believe, from the beginning in Genesis 3:15, when it talks about how <clears throat> Adam and Eve fell, and the Lord makes a pronouncement or a judgment uh, over Satan. And it goes back to Genesis 3:15. He says, this, Satan will bruise your, we, you will bruise the Messiah will bruise the head of Satan, but Satan will bruise his heel." And right then, there's a battle. I don't know if you know, but we are in a spiritual battle. We are in major, right before our eyes, there's a spiritual, natural and spiritual going on. Believe that and know that. But in Exodus 17 and Numbers 24, the Amalekites were the first to attack the Israelites upon exiting Egypt. So in other words, the Hebrews, after a great victory, they leave uh, uh, Egypt what a strong arm, the Bible says. And God wrought victory, and Pharaoh's army was destroyed. And so they were heading to the promised land. They were bothering this nomadic tribe, of the Amalekites, and the Bible says that they, they were tired, they were weary. <laughs> they were, some of them were sick from the journey, <clears throat> and Amalek attacked them. Amalek attacked them. And I thought, hmm, he's still doing that today. Hostility, hostility between the Jews. It goes way back when, when it actually means that uh, tacking his heel, it means it'll bruise it or heel, attack from behind, or he will lie in wait to jump on a situation. And the enemy has been doing that. That's Satan's mode of operation. And so Amalek, the Bible says, was related, just a little history here, to Esau. Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. He despised it. And how many know that in the Old Testament, the Bible talks about the birthright and how important that is? The birthright holds immense significance. It represents a position of honor, uh, authority, inheritance within a family. And so, the, the birthright was typically granted to the firstborn son, the Bible says. And it carried responsibilities as leadership, spiritual privileges, and then the son could receive a double portion. So the birthright was a huge thing in, in, in the Middle Eastern cultures, and it still is, it still is. But here's the thing, Esau is a spiritual picture. Now watch this, I'm going somewhere. It's a type of our flesh. Why? He sells what is important, what is, what is precious for his flesh. For something in the moment. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sacrifice I'll sacrifice my family. I'll sacrifice my whatever uh, relationship. I'll sacrifice church. I'll whatever just for comfort or for finances or for fame or whatever it is. It's a picture of the flesh. Esau is a picture of that. Well, Amalek was the son of Elipath in Genesis 36. Watch this. It gets deeper like a soap opera. Somebody just leaned in. Elipaz had a concubine, so not a wife, something on the side, Timnah, and she bore him Amalek. So Amalek is Esau's grandson. Why am I saying that? The concubine, watch this, was outside of the family of God. Okay? Once again, spiritual picture of the flesh. How many know that the flesh never gets converted? Never gets converted. The flesh never becomes holy in itself. Never. And Amalek and his offspring is the spiritual picture of the war of the flesh against the spirit of God. The flesh against the spirit. There is no help for the flesh found in scriptures. The flesh is to be kept in subjection and subdued under God. How many with me say amen? <clears throat> so the Amalekites, or spiritual picture, I would say, of the flesh, they're a tribe and they were plunderers, and they were persistent enemies to Israel, and that's why God said you need to wipe them out. There is something in their genealogy and in the seed that was demonic that they refused to uh, accept anything of the things of God. And so, so even with that, in the, in the Canaanites, the Bible says, and they, they needed to be wiped out. I know it sounds harsh, but the influence, watch this, of those nations left unchecked would lead to the death of millions of more people. And at that time, hundreds of thousands, because it was a disease that was there. Uh, I think of the anarchy. Anarchy was a time back then. Anarchy means lawlessness, chaos, disorder. That was prevalent. We can leave here and go and say, I'm gonna leave here and go to a restaurant, and we're gonna go to Walmart or Target or pick up something, and for the most part, you're gonna be okay. I mean, some cities, it's not that way, right? But here, it's safe. You couldn't leave. You couldn't send your wife to go get groceries to the market. Life was crazy back then. There was anarchy everywhere. It was so corrupted. They corrupted themselves. And a little uh, about the walls of Jericho. I did some study back when I was in Bible school. And when those walls fell down, archaeologists have been digging and digging and finding pottery and <clears throat> how the, the whole place was burned. And they said it burned. And they actually found grain still stored because the Israelites took nothing except Achan. He took stuff. <clears throat> but they, and he was destroyed for it. But it was a, like an offering. And uh, nobody was saved except Rahab the harlot. And they found one place where the walls did not fall down. And it was one little apartment. And they believe that's where Rahab was. That they rescued her with the red. She had a red scarlet cloth because she helped. She helped the 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 spies in that time. What am I trying to say? They they weren't ignorant. They they were innocent people. They weren't ignorant about the God of Israel because if you read in Joshua two eleven, they knew. Rahab said, we know of the God of Israel. We know of the power of God. We know that he is the king. We know there's no other God but him. But the city refuses to accept it. Wow. And so they had to have been destroyed. They had to been destroyed totally. So the Bible says in Deuteronomy 25, 17, he said, remember what the Amalekites did to you along the way when you came out of Egypt, when you were weary and worn out, They met you on the journey and attacked all who were lagging behind. They had no fear of God. When the Lord your God gives you rest from all the enemies around you in that land, he is giving it to you to possess as an inheritance God gave in the land. You shall blot out the name of Amalek from under the heaven. Do not forget. Stand with me if you would, please. There are many stories in the Bible The Bible talks about uh, where the enemy, this spirit of Amalek has come. I believe it has been unleashed throughout the world globally. That's just my opinion. It is the spirit, once again, raising up its ugly head in this generation. When I thought about that, the children of Israel didn't totally eradicate the Amalekites. They left the seed, and they kept attacking them, attacking them. It goes with... The book of Esther with Haman, he was an Amalekite. Tried to wipe them out. It backfired. How many remember Hitler? Six million Jews, you know. It was over 50% of the population of Jews that were just wiped out. Six million of a population of 10. You know, recently, I just saw this in the news. The IDF found Hitler's book that was actually a man camp translated into Arabic in a children's classroom in Gaza. Pictures and all. And it said this. It says, used by Hamas to train the kids. Death, blood to the Jews. It's a spirit. It's spirit of Amalek. It hates the people of God. Because they, regardless, whether, and, and this does not mean all the Jews are saved. We're not talking about that. They still have been elect and chosen by God for a purpose. I believe that. I believe that. I'm not into replacement theology. You know, the church is replaced. Listen, we'll, you know, you need to be born again. That's the way to salvation, okay? But there's still, there's still a purpose. I believe that God has a prophetic purpose for the the children of Israel. And Satan knows that. Because there's a time, Jesus said, I'm not coming back until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So that means someday, When the end of the times of the Gentiles, the Jews are going to go, the Messiah, it was Jesus. He's the one. Blessed is he who's come. Then the end will come. Amen? That hasn't happened yet, though. Why? Because God is giving the time for the Gentiles, for us to come in. Those that, you know, not Jewish heritage, to come to faith. He had judicially hardened them. Romans 9 talks about it. Romans 9 is not... Uh, you know, Calvinists like to use that. I'm sorry, but that's for all people. No, 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 no. It's he just he's hardened the Jews. And he said, I have a message I want to bring to the world. The gospel. It even says in uh, chapter eleven there, it says that even all Jews might be saved. God cares about the Jews. As much as he cares about the kingdom of God moving forward. Every head bowed, please. I know I jumped around here a bit. But there's a verse here as I want to conclude with. Exodus 17. The Lord spoke to Moses once again. This spirit, this Antichrist spirit, the spirit of Amalek. There's a type, there's a shadow, there's a, there's a spirit that's a picture of like the flesh. A spirit that hates the Jews, hates Christians, hates God's purposes, hates the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Exodus 1714 and the Lord spoke to Moses and said I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under the heaven to which Moses responded the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation wow that's very interesting God says I'm going to wipe them out Moses said God you're going to have war from every generation to every generation every head bowed please here we are today 2023. At war again with an evil spirit, an antichrist spirit. This, I believe, is the time where we need to allow the Holy Spirit to take ascendancy more in our lives. Amen? That This is the time we recognize what we're up against. We're going to watch and see what the Lord will do. I believe he'll bring a new day. And wars must take place. They happen. There's always going to be wars. But I believe... God will preserve His people. God will preserve His people. Just like He has preserved the the nation of Israel and every nation that has been bent on destroying it, that Antichrist spirit, spirit does not exist anymore. Here we are today. The enemies are risen against the nation and against even Christians and believers. God will deal with that. He will deal with that. I believe the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ will overcome. I don't believe God's coming back. Once I said like last week, for a church or bride that's hiding in a cave, a cave woman, He's coming back for an overcoming church, a victorious church, a church that's taken ground, a church that's involved, a church that's there reaching people for the kingdom of God. In the name of Jesus, you're here today. You say, Pastor, I'm not right with the Lord. Maybe you're listening online. You're not right. The Bible says now is the time. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day where you can give your life to the Lord. You can surrender afresh and anew and say, Jesus, come into my life. Save me. If that's you, you're at a point. You recognize your need for the Lord. I want you to pray with me as I lead us corporately in prayer. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on that cross for my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Save me. I'm a sinner. Thank you for saving me. Jesus, I give you my life. Now take it. I will serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.